participate. Open your Bibles to Philippians, and we're going to get into God's Word today. We've been talking about this journey of um, having joy no matter the circumstances. And the Apostle Paul has written this letter, we've learned, um, to the church in Philippi. And Paul's situation is not the greatest situation. And he writes to the church in Philippi, and this is basically a letter of how do we walk in this life, no matter what our circumstances are, and still have joy or have contentment as the Lord would want us to have. Now, I just want to read the verses that we've already covered, and then we're going to dive in deeper in just a few verses today. But let me start in verse 1 and just, just listen along, follow along in your Bibles. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ... To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ and to the glory and praise of God. Here's our text we're going to focus in today. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of my brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Father God... We just want this text to come alive today. God, we want to understand your scriptures. And Lord, we want your scriptures to penetrate into our minds and into our hearts. We want your scriptures to guide our thinking. Father, we don't want to be guided by all the things of this world. We want to be guided by a solid foundation of your holy scriptures. So Lord, as we just dive in a little deeper today on a few of these verses, would you speak in this room? God, we are not here by accident. We are here because you have brought us here this day. You have, you have nudged us and we have obeyed your nudge to be here today as we are we're resetting and coming back together in these public worship services, Father. And I know you have a word for us, so we just ask you speak in this room today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today is our third week in this book. Quite honestly, I don't know how many weeks it's going to take us to get through this great letter as we learn how to have joy no matter what life is throwing at us, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how crazy it is. And in chapter 1, we're learning how to live 
with that single mind, that single focus, a mind that is focused on one purpose, a mind that is focused on God's purposes, God's plan, God's provision, God's way of doing things. It's a mindset that is focused on the kingdom of God. And at the, at the core of what Paul is teaching the church in Philippi, he's like, if you're going to have joy, then you have to have a single mind that is focused on the things of God. And so as we walk through the book of Philippians, we're starting to see that. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. Remember, he's writing and he's in a Roman prison when he's writing this. While he's actually chained up, while Paul is shackled up, his heart is unshackled and it's filled with extraordinary joy which is just mind-blowing to me when I start to think about the Apostle Paul being chained up and at the same time having joy. But joy permeates this letter over 15 times. In four short chapters, he's like, you got to have joy. Here's your joy. Here's your joy. And it's not a joy that is dependent upon circumstances. It's not that. It, it, it's a, it is a joy amid difficult times. Would you say we're in some difficult times right now? We are, aren't we? We are in some difficult times. When is the end of these difficult times? We don't really know. Matter of fact, it may get worse because if you read your Bibles and you know that it's going to get worse until the Lord returns. And so how are we going to handle these circumstances that we are in? It's a joy during the hardship and during the trials. It's a joy in the midst of the chaotic, out-of-control culture and society and the world. And Paul is writing about this, and it's like you read this letter, and you're like, did he write that for today? Yeah, he did. He did. And what Paul wants us to know is that joy can only originate from a relationship with Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Right now is a great time to, one, check yourself and say, am I in a relationship with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? And two, what about my neighbors and my coworkers? What about my family and friends? Have I shared the gospel with them? Have I spoke the name of Jesus? And joy that Paul is talking about is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And Paul's saying, listen, when you are in Christ, this fruit of the Holy Spirit is, is inside of you, and it bubbles out of you daily. I think we fight the battle to live a joy-filled life for God. Is anybody else struggling with that? Few of us are, aren't we? It's tough. It's tough. or Because we allow our circumstances then to dictate our joy, and many times then control our response or attitude. I like to say I have this all licked and all under control. I don't. I'm reading through it. I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord, what are you trying to do? Why did you take me to this book, Father? Why, why am I walking in Philippians? Let, let me think of it this way. Suppose you go to the Grand Canyon. Anybody like to take a trip? Who's, who's been to the Grand Canyon? Raise your hand. Few people have been to the Grand Canyon. Imagine taking a trip to the Grand Canyon. And you get out your lawn chair, perfect spot. You find the tree where there's a little bit of shade right there. And you're like, I can park myself right here. And I'm just going to spend the day just chilling and looking over the Grand Canyon. Going to have this nice, quiet, restful day, enjoying God's creation. And you're all set up perfect for that. And all of a sudden, this turkey pulls up in front of you driving this old 1970 Winnebago. And he parks right in front of your spot. 
mean, what would you do? I mean, could you imagine? Uh, the person was, all of a sudden the circumstance has just changed dramatically. Wait a minute. I picked out this spot, my chair, the shade, my glass of iced tea. I have a couple lemonades ready to go. And I was going to enjoy this day. And the Winnebago pulls up right in front of me. Now, you could sit there and you could be focused on that Winnebago griping the whole time. I can't believe they put that Winnebago right in front of me. Why did they park right in front of me? I sat here first, and they blocked my view. You could say, I deserve this. I've done some rotten things in my life. I've messed up. Man, this, I guess, is just what I get for the way I've been behaving. You could become jealous of the people who are, who are behind the Winnebago because they're still enjoying the great view of the Grand Canyon. You could be like, no, they got the greatest view. I can't believe this. It's unreal. But there's another option. You could move your chair. You could get up and take your little cooler with your sandwiches and your iced tea and your lemonade and your chair and say, I'll just go move right on down here and I'll set me up another area where I can look over the grand creation that God has given me. And I can still enjoy this great day. See, we have bought into the lie from our culture that joy comes from being happy or good or perfect circumstances. That is a lie from the evil one. And we buy into it. And we play that game. We bought into that. And it's no wonder that many Christians are going through what we're going through right now, lacking joy, lacking contentment, lacking happiness, and we look like the rest of the world going, why me? This is so horrible. This is so terrible. I can't believe the governor did this. I can't believe the president did this. I can't believe this is happening. Maybe it's time to move our chair. Maybe it's time to move our chair and pick up our chair with God and say, God, Life's kind of stinky, but I'm going to move over here and I'm going to change the view. And the view is going to be with your eyesight and not my eyesight. See, we, we tend to measure or we tend to allow our joy to be controlled by what's going on around us. What, what's the latest news story? Can I give you all a hint? We got rid of our direct TV about a month ago now. Because, like, there's no sports on. <laughs> and there's a lot of news, and I really needed to get my lazy bottom off of the couch and go do some exercise. And so we said, let's just trade one bill for another, and let's go start the YMCA. And since we've gotten rid of our direct TV, i got to tell you, I've, I've watched maybe 30 minutes of news in the last 30 days. It's been wonderful. It has. Just a little side note for you. Turn it off. Because it will start to control your mind. And it will start to control your joy because all you hear is all the negative. What about social media? How much time are you spending on Twitter? How much time on Facebook, on Instagram? Look at all that stuff. And just control what you're doing and how you're doing and how you're thinking. What are people at work telling you? You get to work and it's just all the talk about what's going on with politics, what's all going on with the COVID situation. And, it's, and then it just it weighs so heavy on you. I get it. Because I'm a fellow struggler with you. But joy isn't creating perfect circumstances. And joy isn't pretending that our circumstances are perfect because they're not perfect. It's kind of messed up. And joy isn't saying everything is okay when it's not okay. 
because everything's not just okay. But biblical joy comes from a heart that is yielded to God and the Holy Spirit. Biblical joy understands the one who rules and reigns and loves and cares about us deeply. Biblical joy <coughs> understands that he uses Whatever the circumstances we are, whatever we're going through, he uses those to perfect us more in the image of Christ and to bring himself glory, if we'll allow him to do that. Today, I want us to look at one big idea, that we must look beyond our circumstances and see the results. That's what Paul wants us to get, I believe. we got to look beyond the circumstances and see the results of what he is doing. Look at Philippians 1, verse 12 again. I want you to know, brothers, that's not just a manly term, that's meaning brothers and sisters, those who are in Christ, that what has happened, that circumstances, to me, has really served to advance the gospel. Now you think about this, and you think all that Paul, the Apostle Paul, has gone through. Illegally arrested in Jerusalem, misrepresented before the court, shipwrecked on the way to his appeal in Rome, a prisoner for two years waiting for his case to be heard, forgotten by his friends. And the list goes on. Now, you want a definition of victim? Look at Paul. Look at Jesus. They're victims. But Paul didn't play the victim card, though. Paul looked at his situation And he looks at what's going on, and he says, I'm still here to live for Christ. I still proclaim Christ. Look what the the text says, revealing Paul's heart or attitude. He says, my circumstances have turned out for what? For the greater good or for the greater spreading of the gospel, the greater progress that his circumstances have served to advance the gospel. You stop and think about what we're walking in right now. Could our circumstances serve to advance the gospel? Absolutely, if we will embrace that. If we'll embrace the opportunities that are before us. See, the meaning behind the word circumstances in our text is like the pioneering woodcutters going before the advancing army to clear the way the trees are in the underbrush. It's like, okay, the army is coming, but we're just ahead of them, and we'll clear the way. We'll cut down the trees. We'll cut down the brush. We'll make sure there's a pathway. And Paul's situations and circumstances, Paul's like, listen, I'm clearing the brush for you. I'm cutting down the trees for you. I'm making a way for you. I'm making it possible so that the gospel can spread and the gospel go further than it's ever gone because Paul says this is what has happened by me being in prison by me being arrested by me going through this journey Paul focuses the lens on what God is doing and not on himself Paul's a woodcutter clearing the way for those who are coming along with him and beside him and after him to to share the gospel look at verse 13 so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Now, circumstances are stinky for Paul. But he's saying, now let's look at the, the results. It's believed that the whole imperial guard meant about 9,000 elite guards an army, a military of 9,000. And Paul shared the truth of the gospel with one or two or three, but then how did he get to 9,000? How did 9,000? It says the whole imperial guard. 
It doesn't say a few of them. The whole imperial guard had an opportunity to hear the message of the gospel. Now, it doesn't tell us they all came to Christ, but they got a chance to hear the gospel. His demeanor lifted up and exalted Christ. He didn't waste his words and a harping to the guards. He didn't stand in prison and say to the guard, he's changed you. Hey, I'm innocent. Hey, get me out of here. I shouldn't be in here. This isn't right. I've got rights. I've got my rights. He didn't complain about his chains. He preached Christ. He preached that Jesus went to the cross and that Jesus died on the cross and Jesus was put in a grave and Jesus rose again and he did that for you and he did that for me and he did it for you, guard. And you know what happens? He shares Christ (coughs) and his outrageous joy is so contagious and he's so confident that one by one, I think the guards start sharing the gospel. They went back and started talking to their buddies because Paul couldn't preach to all 9,000 of them. And it says the whole imperial guard hears the message. He shared Christ. His outrageous joy led people to salvation because Jesus was more than just Paul's Savior. Jesus was Lord of his life. Jesus truly had the steering wheel of life for Paul. Jesus was, was Lord of every decision that he was making. And Paul could have very easily sat in prison and said, I'm writing letters to the governor. I'm writing letters to my mayor. I'm putting a post on Facebook because I'll straighten all this out with my one post. <clears throat> I'm not picking anybody here. He didn't do that. He preached Jesus Christ. He's sitting next to the guard. He says, you know what? Do you know Jesus is your Savior? Do you know what Jesus did for you? Do you know what he did for me? Hey, let me tell you my story. I was this awful, filthy guy. I actually persecuted Christians. I was actually there when they stoned Stephen. I gave approval of it. I thought it was pretty cool that we were stopping people who were going down the way. But I met him, and he changed my life, and he can change yours too. Do you know you all can do that? Every single one of us have a story. And as you connect the dots between Acts and Colossians and Philippians and Ephesians and Corinthians, and you start seeing that, you see Paul shares his testimony. Here's what Jesus did in my life. Do you want to meet him? Let me tell you about him. And all of us have a story. Even if you started out church in the nursery, you have a story. Even if you say, well, I don't really have much of a background. I didn't really, you know, I'm not the druggie and drinker and smoker and doper and, and all this stuff. Because some people say, well, i got to have a story. No, we all have a story of the grace of Jesus working in our lives. And if you just stop and pray and think a little bit, maybe, yeah, I've dealt with anger. That's mine. I've dealt with gluttony. I've dealt with pursuing financial gains over God. I've dealt with doubt. I've dealt with fear. You, you have a story that you can tell other people. And then you say, this is what Jesus has done for me. Jesus was at the core of his being and his purpose and his life, every moment of his life. One by one, the guards then hear the message. The guards hear the message of the gospel, took back to the barracks and shared it with other guards. You look at verse 13 again. It says, has become known throughout The whole, not part of it, the whole imperial guard has become known. Now again, doesn't mean they've all turned their life over to Christ, but the the scattering of the seed was spread amongst 9,000 imperial guard. 
And that brings encouragement to the other believers. Look at verse 14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. See the text again. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. So Paul's saying, because I was in prison, because I was preaching and teaching, because I'm telling you what was, was taking place, because people are coming to faith, and much more bold, what? To speak the word without fear. So because Paul became bold, they started to become bold. Because Paul was out preaching and teaching, and they're like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. The followers of Christ were invigorated then with a new confidence. What would happen in this COVID situation if all of a sudden you say, hey, this is my friend John, or this is my friend Jennifer, and we've been sharing Christ, and now you're baptizing them in the water? I was talking to a fellow preacher the other day um, who told me they've had 27 baptisms this year, and he said, I was so excited. He said, said, I've only done three of them. One friend to another friend to another friend. Wildfire starts to take place when we start sharing the gospel and we tell our friends about Jesus. They, it encourages. The followers then spoke the word of God with greater confidence. We get more confident when we see other people just like us. See, what happens if it's just the preacher who gets in the water and leads someone to Christ and baptizes them? You know, go, well, that's the preacher's job. And you go, well, the preacher had the right words. The preacher knew how to do that or the elder knew how to do that. But I don't know how to do that. But when you start walking in boldness and you do it and someone sees Jane, who is, a, who is just a, a secretary somewhere, and she baptizes and sees Mike, who works on the line, and he baptizes and sees a police officer baptize somebody and sees a school teacher baptize somebody, you start going, they're just like me. And it develops your confidence. And they're looking at Paul and going, look at Paul and what he did. See, people in our society right now are speaking up about all sorts of crazy, weird ideas. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how crazy and weird our culture is getting? And people are speaking up and they're spouting whatever they believe, whatever they think. Well, I believe this, I think that, I believe this. Politically correct speech and ideas are off the charts right now. The Pandora's box is open. And the mantra of the day is, you offend me, or that offends me, or how can you say that? That's this, that's this. We put all these labels on them. Why don't we as Christians take the opportunity right now to start really opening our mouth and really start speaking some truth into the situation? Because our world needs truth. But by and large, Christians often remain timid and scared. Well, I should share, I should share my faith. I'm, I'm not really sure. Not, not really sure. You know what? The other day I had, had a lawn work done. And a guy came to my house and uh, checked out some weeds. And he said, I'll be back to spray. And I was sitting in the garage. He pulled it to spray. And casual conversation. His name's Chris. I said, Chris, how old are you, 27? I said, guy and kids? He said, yeah, I got five kids. I said, five kids at 27. He said, well, I started a little bit young. I said, yeah. I said, let me just ask you a question real quick. He said, I said do you know Jesus? He said, you know, I was raised in church and been away from it. I said, Chris now's the time to start changing. I said, you have five kids who need to know Jesus. He said, yeah, I, I do. He said, and we had such a great conversation. You know what? He didn't take the spray off the back of his truck and say, get away from me. You're talking about Jesus and start spraying me. He didn't do anything like that. You know, he didn't go to the truck and call his manager. Hey, this guy's talking about Jesus. I got to get out of here. He was very open to a conversation about Jesus. I don't know where that's going to go. Got his number. We did some texting. All of us can do that. 
And why not get bold in this situation? You know, I've had some conversations with people like, is this the end times, Brian? Is the Lord coming back? Yeah, we're in the end times. We are in the end times right now. Now, we don't know God's timing. Does that mean in the next month, is it in the next year, is it in the next five years? But we tend to be too relaxed and too laid back. Like, well, the Lord's coming someday. I'll tell him someday. Someday could be tomorrow. And if we can post, hey, buy this ugly Ohio State mask right here, right here, here's where you get it. If we can post that kind of stuff, or if we can post um, root for my team, or, or we can post the latest recipe, or we can talk to people about all kinds of stuff, why can we not start looking at people, hey, can I just ask you a real serious question? What's that? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Not where do you go to church? Where do you go to church? Well, I go to church over here, and they're like, where's that at? Oh, yeah, I, I think I go to this one church, or I get on. I know. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Because a lot of people go to church, or a lot of people say they've gone to church, but Jesus Christ being their Savior is a whole different conversation. And, and I would just challenge you in this COVID situation and in the right now, just take that leap of faith with somebody. Just say, all right, God, my preacher asked me to ask this question. I'm scared to death right now. I, I'm afraid of it. But God, I want to ask this person right now. Hey, can I ask you a real quick question? Yeah, what's that? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? And take the leap. Right, Steve? Sometimes you've got to take, this, take the leap. I say Steve because Steve, Steve loves to share the gospel. And sometimes we don't know what to say. We expect the conversation to go a certain way. But sometimes we, we don't know. People are more open right now to hear about Jesus than they ever have been. See, it's not our job to condemn the world. Jesus has already done that. So let him do his job. It's not our job to judge the world. Let, let him do that. The, the lost do need us, though, to speak up. They don't need us to spew out bitterness and cynicism and hate towards them. They need us to speak up and share who Jesus is and why a relationship with Jesus is so important. The lost do not need us to be unkind. We do, however, need to proclaim the gospel so that they know they can be set free. Paul was in chains, yet he was still free. And we have many right now who are in change. It's called the chain of fear because of what's going on in our culture. And the only way they're going to discover freedom is when we, the church, start to speak up. See, lost people in our world think they are free when in, re when, when in reality they're in chains. And they won't understand freedom. They understand Jesus. And Luke chapter 2 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day the city of David, a Savior who is what? Who is Christ the Lord. When people discover that, that brings joy. See, not, not everyone is called to be a missionary. Not everyone is called to be a pastor or vocational ministry leader. We are, however, all called to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul's encouraging the church in Philippi. He's saying, listen. I'm going through this so that together we will be witnesses. And he says, this brings me joy. The followers of Christ had far more courage. And what they do? They then spoke the word without fear. So God uses our chains. He uses our circumstances for his glory and his growth. Don't get stuck on the circumstances. Look at what the end result is or could be. Bow your heads.